Thanks for listening. For more information, visit glbcdt.org. Okay, quarters on. November 12th, 2023. A beautiful overcast Vermont day. It's above freezing. Not by much, but it's above freezing. The high today is supposed to get up to 37 here in beautiful downtown South Alberg. We talked last week about God's gift, God's gifts. And some of you may have been surprised to hear me say, you are God's gift. Not only to the world around us, but also to your brothers and sisters in Christ. Now I'm going to talk about God's love. We start with Jeremiah 31.3, a very familiar passage. And yes, I know it's taken out of context, and we'll, we'll address that in a minute. But we start with Jeremiah 31.3. says, The Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn you. And before we get down to, to that, we're going to take another a little detour. But I want, to think, want you to think about that. God loves you. Now, in our own mind and in our own understanding, we kind of have a definition of what it looks like when somebody loves us. Uh, you talk, uh, was, it, was it Gary Chapman that did the love languages? Yeah, the five love languages, you know, uh, words of affirmation, acts of service, uh, physical touch. I don't remember the other two, but things that define how we define what love is. And as we go through this life with its cares and its difficulties and its pain, if we are evaluating God's love toward us by what's going on around us, we sometimes get a messed up picture of God's love. God loves us. He declares it. We just read that one verse, which I said we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more in a few minutes. But God declares his love. And if we try to define what love is and it doesn't match God's definition of what God's love is, we might get a little confused. We might get a little thrown off course. In Romans 8, beginning with verse 35, Paul says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, For your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Stop right there for just a minute. God's love is not affected by tribulation or turmoil or trouble. It's not affected by distress. It's not affected by persecution. This tells me if we f that we can and will face some of these things, maybe all of these things, 
I don't know that I want to face the sword. Not a big fan of facing tribulation or peril or, or distress. But all of these things happen in this world. We are in a lost and fallen world. We are sent, called to be lights in the midst of the darkness. Guess what? That means there's darkness. Um, just before the flood, actually, um, Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. If you take a look at the, at the, the days of Noah, just before the verse that says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, it says, but the heart of man was set continually to do evil. It was a bad place to be. And as in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. We look at what happened on October 7th when Hamas went into Israel. That was horrific. But that's not the only horrific thing that happens, that happens in this world around us. We are in a time where men's hearts were failed them, failed them for fear, according to Scripture. We are in a time where men become uh, lovers of themselves rather than lovers of God. Trying to do things their own way. Uh, people doing what's right in their own eyes rather than looking for a definitive right and wrong. Trying to adjust and say, well, that's, you know, that might be right for you, but it's not right for me. Rather than looking at things. So all of these things are going on in the world around us. Yet verse 37. Romans 8, verse 37. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God's love is not affected by what we go through. It's not affected by what we face. It is not dependent on us liking what's going on in our life. God's love transcends that. God's love is, God's love is, period. Not God's love has to be these criteria. But the problem with me and the problem with human beings is we have our ideas of what it should look like. If we face difficulty, especially if we haven't grown to know the Lord, if we haven't been through enough to see God at work even in the midst of turmoil, if we haven't seen that, that God is faithful even when I don't understand what's going on, if we haven't reached that point and we face difficult tasks, the question that arises is, I thought God said He loved me. What's going on with this? God's love is not changed, is not affected by those things. God loves us. Now, Paul said, to be absent with the body is to be present with the Lord. We have eternal life through Christ Jesus. If I walk out the door and get ran over by a truck, it doesn't change the fact that God loves me. It doesn't change the fact that I'm in the palm of His hands, that He is at work in my life. However many breaths I draw on this earth are all part of God's plan. And, but when I reach the end of them, whenever that happens to be, doesn't change God's love for me.
It doesn't change my re relationship with him, except now, now we see through a glass darkly and then we'll see face to face. So we have that going on. When I first moved to Vermont, back in 1998, I rented a room from Luella Cattell. I don't know if any of you know that name. Uh, there was a boarding house up on uh, North Main in St. Albans. Cattell's guest. Her father had built this. When I met her, Luella Cattell was 102 years old. And she was running this boarding house. And she was a short little thing. She, she couldn't have been 60 pounds. Short, probably, um, probably about 4 foot 5, 4 foot 8, short. But she was just as feisty and as on top of it as anybody that I've ever met. Uh, when she was a hundred, she was born the year St. Albans City was founded. And she had been a teacher at the St. Albans City School. And the Historical Society did a mock-up. If you go to the St. Albans Museum, set up by the Historical Society, there is a, a, a replica of her classroom. And they had set up her classroom, and they brought her in to see it before the museum opened. And she walked in and said, oh, this is all wrong. That needs to be over there. That needs to be over there. That... And made him change it at 100. I knew her when she was 102. And I came home. I was uh, waiting tables at Whistler's Restaurant, which is where I met Debbie. Married one of my customers. And I came home from work one day, and Luella Cattell is on her hands and knees scrubbing the kitchen floor with a washcloth. This was a feisty woman. She, she uh, fell at 103, broke her hip, and it ended up, in, she ended up dying from that. She was 103 when she died. Debbie and I had a grandson. His name was Dominic. Dominic lived two weeks. We don't know how many days, how many breaths we have on this earth. But we are in the palm of God's hand as we come into a relationship with Jesus. And nothing changes that. We just read, neither life nor death nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come. Nothing changes God's love for us. He loves us. It's not dependent upon our circumstances. When we first started in Jeremiah, I promised I'd go back and read you the context. Jeremiah 31, beginning with verse 2. Thus says the Lord, the people who survived the sword found grace in the wilderness. Israel, when I, get, when I went to give him rest. God said... They were in battle. They survived the sword and went to the wilderness, and God still was with him. Because that's where that verse is. It starts with, those who survived the sword went into the wilderness when I, gave, when I went to give him rest. The Lord appeared of me of old, saying, we read this a minute ago, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. Verse 4, again, I will build you, and you shall be rebuilt, O virgin of Israel. God says, it's not your circumstances that affect my love. It's not your circumstances that display my love. I love you, 
And wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whatever you're going through, I'm with you. Keep carrying on in verse 4. And you shall again be adorned with your tambourines, and you shall go forth in the dances of those who rejoice. And you shall yet plant vines on the mountains of Samaria. The planters shall plant and eat them as ordinary food. For there shall be a day when the watchman will cry out on Mount Ephraim, Arise and let us go up to Zion, to the Lord our God. The prophecy Jeremiah gives here is you're going through after having gone through the battle, having been in the wilderness, I am still with you. I am still working in your life. I have not given up on you. I will still bless. I will still carry you through. However many days we have on this earth, we have them in the palm of God's hand. God is at work in our lives no matter what we're facing. What we face does not determine God's love for us. The things we go through in this life, we are in this, as I said, we're in a lost and fallen world. There is turmoil, there is tribulation. Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation. Not you might have, not things could get rough from time to time. You will have tribulation. Jesus said, they'll smite the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. Jesus said, if they do these things to me, what are they going to do to you? We talked somewhat last couple of weeks about how all of the apostles, except John, were, were martyred. And it's not like John got a pass. They tried to boil, they boiled him in oil. John was, they tried to martyr him, it just didn't kill him. Because God was still at work. The things we go through in this life don't affect God's love for us. And they're not an indication that He doesn't love us because we have bad times. We do, he does love us because we find ourselves blessed. God loves us, period. As we go through this life, God is with us. However many breaths we breathe, whatever we face, we don't face it alone. And there is a confidence that comes in that, that knowing no matter what happens... God knows about it. He loves me. He's in, in, at work here. And whether I am absent with the body or not, I'm still in his hands. He's still demonstrating his love to me. John 3, beginning with verse 14. Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. And said, as, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man lift, be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that, whosoever, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Stop right there for just a minute. God's plan, God's love included Jesus going to the cross. Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed, Father, if there is another way, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. He says in another place, what shall I say then? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose came I to this hour. Jesus knew what he was facing. He told his disciples that he would be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be tortured and be put to death and the third day rise again. Jesus knew what was coming. And also knew it was part of God's love. 
in Isaiah in 50, Isaiah 53 where it talks about the suffering servant. It says that his visage, his face, was marred more than any men. That there was no former comeliness, comeliness with him. That when we saw him, we would be attracted to him. That he was despised and rejected of men. That's all part of God's love. God's love is not affected by what we face or what we go through. God's love is sure. God's love is steadfast. God's love is permanent. As we relax in that, as we rest in that, we know that whatever comes into our life is not the end of the story. Because even if it's the end of our physical life, we have eternal life in Christ Jesus. Verse 16 again, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For 2,000 and change years, we've been reading this. We've been standing on this. We've been trusting in this. And for 2,000 and change years, it is still solid. It is still trustworthy. It is still the Word of God. It is still true. And when we believe on Him, Jesus came to redeem our lives from destruction. And when we believe on Him, we have everlasting life. Not everlasting drawing in air. Not everlasting walking around on this earth. But everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through Him might be saved. God sent Jesus to make the way of reconciliation between God and man. To pay the price for our sin. To become that suffering servant that Isaiah 53 verse 10 says, when you claim His soul as a sacrifice for sin, He that is God looks down and sees Him standing in our place, sees the suffering of His soul, and is satisfied. He redeems our life from destruction. Verse 18, he who believes is not condemned. He who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. As we go about our, our daily lives, as we go about walking the path that God has laid out in, in front of us, we are called to be lights of the world. Jesus right here says this is the condemnation. That when the light comes, men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. It says there's going to be evil in the world until the world is no more. There's going to be those who will not believe. There's going to be those who are in opposition. There's going to be uh, perils. There's going to be uh, distresses. There's going to be all those things that cannot separate us from God's love. All of these things are going on around us. We can look in the newspaper. We can watch the news. We can walk in some areas of our state and just see the opposition and just, just see the, the darkness. But we're called to be lights right here, right now. And God's love is that He tells us, we, we talked about this in prayer, that... Uh, Paul said, I would, uh, first off, that, that prayers and supplication with thanksgiving be made for all men, for, all who, for kings and all who are in authority. Prayers and supplication and thanksgiving for each and every person 
Because the goal is, the, our, our, our purpose is to be lights in the midst of the darkness, is to plant seeds and water seeds, is to be a witness that maybe God will use to turn their hearts. We don't know who all God wants to work in. We don't know uh, who will come to the Lord. Um, I'm not going down that road. We don't know what it's going to take for somebody to respond. But we are called to be lights where we are. We are called to be faithful witnesses where we are. And part of that being a faithful witness is knowing that no matter what we face, the God who loves us, the God who cannot lie, the God who is always with us, will bring us through for His purpose. Or will bring us home for His purpose. That whatever we face, it doesn't change God's love for us. Revelation 5, beginning with verse 8. John has just seen the, the scrolls in heaven and no one was found worthy to open the scrolls and John weeps. And then the angel says, the, the, the lion of the tribe of Judah has prevailed and has been found worthy. Verse 8 says, Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Jesus laid down his life. Jesus willingly went to the cross. Uh, Jesus told Pilate, you would have no power except my Father gave it to you. The love of God included Jesus' Jesus's death on a cross. The horrific thing, the horrific death he went through. And raising him, him back up. Raising him from the dead. And if the four and twenty elders said, You have redeemed us to God out of every nation, out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. All over the world, all through the generations, people have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. You and I redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. God, what Jesus did, what God did in His love by sending Jesus, redeemed us, drew us by His Spirit. And we are called to encourage one another, to lift one another up, but to be witnesses and to be faithful in what we do to proclaim the Word of God. Because God is drawing people out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You know, here in Vermont, um, last thing I looked, the last um, census thing, actually, the 2010 census, Vermont was 98% white. Now we're like 96 and a half. Uh, we have Somali refugees. We have Nepalese refugees. We have uh, people from uh, all over the world coming to Vermont. 
every tribe, every tongue, every people, every nation. We can be missionaries right here in our own state. We can reach the nations right here in our own state. Now, if God has called you to go overseas, go. But when we see a need, no matter where that need is, when we see an opportunity for ministry, when we see an opportunity to share the love that God has already shown to us, we need to take that opportunity to be that faithful witness, to be that light in the midst of the darkness, to be that voice of truth, to be that um, shining example of who and what God, what God has planned for people. Final passage, Ephesians 2, beginning with verse 1. It says, And you He made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. We were dead. Jesus didn't come to make good people better. He came to make dead people alive. We were dead in trespasses and sins. We were separated from God. We walked in darkness. And Jesus came to restore us into, into the relationship that Adam gave away in the garden. Verse 2, In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. We were disobedient, among whom we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as others. We were no different. We were no different than the people around us. I say that. I have a cousin that says I was the heathen. So, you know, maybe I was worse than something than a lot of the people around me. But we all had our, our we were all separated from God until He worked in our lives, until the Spirit of the Lord drew us, until we came to know Jesus, until we began walking in His ways, until we surrendered our own will, until we surrendered our own plans to allow Him to work in our lives. Ask Him to become our Savior and Lord. Can't have just one or the other. We have to have, give Him full and complete control. Verse 4, But God who is rich in mercy, because of His great love which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in the kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Now, y'all have heard, heard me talk about this many, many, many times. I generally use a slightly different language. He holds us up as trophies of his grace. You've heard me say that. Verse 7, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. He holds us up saying, look, I fixed that one. Look what I did in there. In the ages to come, God to display his grace toward us, showing others what he has done. Have you ever... Have you ever gone to visit somebody who um, races, um, like barrel racing or, or some of the, uh, the equestrian stuff? They've got this room where they have all the reds and all the blues and all the, all the ribbons, all the trophies. 
maybe somebody's house where uh, one of their children was uh, very good in sports and they have all these trophies. God sets us up as trophies. Look, I fixed this one. And He's called us. He's called us to show the love that He has given us to the people around us. Because they're walking in darkness and they need the light of Jesus. We have to be willing to go out and let God say, Look, even in the midst of turmoil, even in the midst of difficulties, even in the midst of devastation, let me show my love. Let me show my grace. Let me show what I've done in this one. Let me show what I can do for you. Verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any should boast. If God hadn't redeemed my life from destruction, I would have been destroyed. Probably before now. I never expected to live to see 30. I'm 63. But God, who is rich in mercy toward me, had a plan and purpose for my life. Not of works, verse 9, lest any should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The God who sees the end from the beginning, who knows our very breath, the very hairs of our head are numbered, knows everything about us, said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I have loved you with an everlasting love. I am at work in your life and in your circumstances. And He's called us to be lights, to be examples of His love to the world around us. We talked last week. You're God's gift. You're God's gift to the world. You're God's gift to one another. Our brothers and sisters to strengthen. But we're also examples of God's love. And we are called to be lights in displaying that. Because this dark world needs hope. This dark world needs life. This dark world needs to know that there is a God who loves them. There is a God who wants to draw them in relationship. There is a God that knows the very hair on their heads. We're called to be examples of God's love. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Father, all of your ways are right. All of your ways are truth. And we thank you, Father, for your love shed abroad to us, your love that was d demonstrated in Jesus, your love that is not affected by the things we go through or the things we face, your love that is not changed or not diminished because it doesn't match maybe our understanding of what love looks like. Your love is and you are faithful. Or teach us. Help us to understand to wrap our, our, our minds around the fact as we renew our minds that your love supersedes all and nothing can separate us from your love. Father, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. God's Little Brown Church Sermon Series featuring Pastor Andrew Chrysler.